there were many, many times where we thought about, okay, are, are we even fit to be entrepreneurs? Welcome to the Reboot Podcast. With a little more care, a little more courage, and above all, a little more soul, our lives can be so easily discovered and celebrated in work, and not, as now, squandered and lost in its shadow. David White Hung out with Jason last night, and per usual, it got my gears turning. My email started to Coach Terry. It was a typical client moment. This was more than a few years ago. And I'd just seen one of my close, longtime friends. He had done the impossible task of starting out on his own, with no funding, no partners, and totally bootstrapped a fashion business with no fashion experience in a non-fashion town. My inner critic just loved seeing how far apart Jason and I were. We had seemingly started in the same place, and here I was with nothing but a pile of failures. And here he was with a rocket ship, a profitable business. My email to Jerry was a laundry list of reasons why I was not only unfit for the entrepreneurial path, but even more proof on why I was simply no good. Jerry responded, Hey there, I'm glad to see you're processing your feelings. I see two things here. An underestimating of how difficult things were for you, and an underestimating of your own growth. Sometimes we spend so much time looking at where we aren't or where others have gone that we don't fully appreciate where we are and how much we've grown on the journey. A year ago today, Reboot did not have a podcast. A year ago today, Sherman Lee was staring down a draining bank account, a shaky business model, and a crippling fear. If I fail, I won't be able to provide. A year later, we sit with our 23rd episode a return visit from Sherman, one of our first guests, and an opportunity to appreciate his journey and growth since we last spoke, and perhaps a moment to reflect on our own. We're proud to say that today's episode is brought to you by JustWorks. JustWorks helps businesses take care of their benefits, healthcare, payroll, and HR. It's super simple and powerful. I'm Allie Schultz, and I am the COO of Reboot. I've tried two of the largest HR solutions in the market, and um, the time that it has taken out of my life to use both of those programs is maddening to me. Um, back then, um, which was only just a couple of years ago, I remember thinking to myself, this really doesn't need to be as complicated as it is. And I was hoping that someone would create what JustWorks has created. If you're ready to grow your business and not your busy work, head over to reboot.io slash JustWorks. You'll find out more about how we use JustWorks and how it could work for you. That's reboot.io slash JustWorks. Hey, Sherman, how are you? It's good to see you again. Hi, Jerry. It's, it's been a year. Uh, I'm I good. How are you doing? I know. I think it's actually been one year, if I remember correctly. It's just about this time last year. Yeah. Mm. 
and you were one of the first guests on the podcast, and uh, you really set a stage. I will tell you, you set you set a standard for transparency and openness and vulnerability. And uh, I think a lot of people who followed both on the podcast but also listened really appreciate your your honesty there. So before we dive in even further, I just wanted to note that and say that to you. But oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I think you provided a lot of value as well um, in terms of you know like figuring out what my fears are and not running away from it um, and really addressing it. So mm. thank you so much. Well, well, we'll we'll circle back to that. But why don't you take a moment and just sort of reintroduce yourself? So your name is Sherman Lee, and I'm one of the co-founders of Good Audience. I'm also the CEO, and we manage all your social media accounts with a dedicated marketing assistant. Oh, great, great. And so, yeah, and we first spoke about a year ago, and one of the things we talked through was about your fears. And somehow things are a little bit different now. Is that right? Yeah. I think last year, my biggest fear was running out of money and how to feed uh, our, our families. And that, that fear is, is completely gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember that conversation. Well, I think I said something to you like, let's just name it, right? Um, you're carrying this sense of responsibility for feeding, I forget if it was a boy or a girl, your baby. It's a girl, Fiona. Fiona, right, right. Beautiful name. And so now she's two? She is uh, one year and what? almost four months. Oh, right. Four, okay, great. 16 months. And then your, your co-founder also had a kid. Is that right? Uh, no, he has a, a wife. A wife, that's right. No kids yet, but, right. you know, in the future... Right, right. And you, a year ago, you were carrying the sense of responsibility there. So not only were you, if I remember correctly, you were kind of paralyzed in the fundraising process. Right. Um, and quite honestly, you scared me a little bit because it was sort of like, if you remember, it was sort of like, yeah, we're running out of money in about six to eight weeks. And I was like, okay, dude, <laughs> you gotta, you got to focus. And then uh, one of the things it seemed that you were dealing with was the fear of disappointing them and, and not being able to feed them, literally. Correct. Yeah, yeah. And that fear is kind of gone now. Eh? It is It is gone now. I mean, we're generating revenue. Uh, but the fear was actually removed uh, after that conversation with you. Um, you know, no one was going to go hungry. There were other ways where we could feed our families, whether it's getting a job or, you know, doing credit cards or whatever it is, or getting help from people, there were, uh, they, people were there to support us and no one was ever going to go hungry. And so I, I don't think I should have ever been afraid of that. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, th I think to, to, um, to name it, sometimes people use the phrase story to talk about the things that we tell ourselves. I like to use the word myth because, um, the, the, the delusions, the stories that we tell ourselves, like the myths that we tell each other, serve an emotional purpose. And in this case, there was an emotional purpose associated with the myth that you were carrying. And the myth was that we were going to be starving in the streets. And people don't often think about that as a secondary purpose, as a secondary benefit to, to uh, the fear paralysis. 
I would argue that by being so afraid of that, you actually did not have to focus on the thing that you really did need to focus on, which was running out of cash. Right. Right. And that's like, it's kind of crazy making when we think about it. It's like the mind gets anxious and it's anxious about, it starts to spin out into a whole bunch of things. What should we be anxious about? And then it fixates on something that is actually unreal. Right. Because as I remember saying to you last year, if you had to, you'd dig ditches. Right. To feed your family. Right. Right. So that actually wasn't the real threat. The real threat was, I'm not generating revenue. Right. That's the real threat. <laughs> right. You know, in Buddhism, we call that the power of discernment, like discerning what's the real threat. And, and, and the, and the challenge with the myth making is it takes us away from discernment. Right. And seeing more clearly what the challenge is. And, and it felt to me at the time that part of what was happening for you, both in the conversation and I imagine afterwards, was this experience of seeing reality more clearly. Mm-hmm. I do not have to worry about feeding Fiona. Phew. I do have to worry about figuring out how to keep my company going. Right. And by the way, if I fail in that endeavor, Fiona won't starve. Right. Right. And so now I get to put all of my intellectual and emotional energy behind solving the true problem in front of me. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Does, does this sort of describe the experience for you? Yeah, exactly. Mm. So the, the, the fear was very paralyzing. It, it took up so many cycles in my head and just constantly worrying and thinking about it that it, it didn't allow me to focus on what I needed to do. Sherman, I got to tell you, that is the best advertisement I've ever heard for what I often refer to as radical self-inquiry. By being introspective and really looking at the most fearful thing that your mind is coming up with and then picking it apart with discernment, you actually unleashed the thing you needed the most, which was your own creativity and intellectual capacity. Mm -hmm. You made it available to you just when you needed it. Which is, okay, this is the reality. This is what I got to deal with. Let me get to work. Because then, then it becomes, it's not that it's easy, right? The weeks following were probably very hard, and we're dying to hear what that was like. <laughs> but it's knowable, right? It may, it's not that it's easy. They remain hard, but they become knowable. They become... Uh, you know, not intractable problems, unsolvable problems. They just simply become work, not something that forces you to just, you know, lay in a ball in a fetal position on the floor saying, what am I going to do? Right. I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> so, well, I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that that, started to unlock for you there because as I say it really is uh, the best advertisement for doing this kind of work right so tell tell me what were those weeks like afterwards well they they were incredibly incredibly tough it wasn't easy at all and even though you gave me a, a lot of really great advice I wasn't able to put it into practice immediately 
it was after a lot of these feelings that would kind of come about that I would have to remind myself of the conversations and, and that things were kind of okay. Um, I guess I guess to give a little bit of context, um, the, uh, the weeks after, we, we were never able to raise any money. Um, right. And we had like this campaign to uh, raise money so that the company would not run out of it. And we, you know, we went out there, we got meetings, a ton of meetings. Um, at the time, we were building a social media tool. And, and what every single VC and investor, an angel investor, told us was, what, what, how are you different from all these you know, millions of social media tools out there? I, I don't want to invest. Mm. Um, and we weren't able to raise any money. Mm. Mm. So what was that experience like? I mean, as I recall, I sort of gave you my traditional marching orders, you know, build a spreadsheet. This is a military campaign. Execute, execute, execute. It sounds like to the degree that you could, you started to do that. You ended up getting meetings, but you actually didn't succeed in fundraising. Right. By the time. You know. What was that experience like for you? In effect, was, being told no over and over again. It was scary. Uh, there were many, many times where we thought about, okay, are, are we even fit to be entrepreneurs? Um, is this even a, a viable business that we should be going after? Mm. Like, well, what should we do? And we had no idea what that was, was, was going to be like. And, and at the end of it, we realized quickly after you know, taking a month or two of meetings, like you know, this was not going to work out that we we're going to raise any money. Like, like, okay, well, what are the other paths that we can take to keep this business afloat? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, we thought about like, uh, well, what happens if we, you know, just sell our, our, our software and actually have some monthly recurring revenue, you know, uh, you know, coming from like the, this this startup fantasy land where you need to raise a lot of money to be a successful company, um, we never realized that that would be a, a path. <laughs> um, but luckily, we we figured that out. Um, we tried to to sell our, our our product, and in doing that, we learned a lot from our customers, and we ended up pivoting. Mm-hmm. And um, initially, people were using our tool, the social media tool, and they were finding it useful. And, you know, after a month or two, they would kind of drop off and we asked them why. And they said, well, we we don't really have time to use this tool every day. Can you do it for us? Hmm. Initially, we were were very hesitant. This was was probably around November um, 2014. And we said, no, can you just keep using our tool? And, you know, the customers came back to us and they said, Sherman, I don't think you understand. Like, we're willing to put more money in your pockets if you can just deliver us the results. Like, they, they just wanted uh, their social media marketing channels to be ramped up and be popular and building these really big communities. And we, we took a step back and, and thought about that. Well, why are we against making money? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. I just love that. Yeah. Why were you against making money? <laughs> well, we thought we had to raise money to be a successful company. Right. Because it's not in the startup playbook, right? Right. Right. Because the startup playbook says you go out there and you raise a ton of money at a high valuation. And that's what success in being a good entrepreneur is. Yep. Not actually building a business that makes money. 
Exactly. No one told us like these very simple fundamentals of starting a business. Yes. I'm, I'm going to interrupt and, and share with you an image. When my grandfather emigrated to the United States from Italy, uh, he was a young teenager and uh, he ended up becoming an Iceman, which many of the people from, from Puglia, the, the part of Italy that, uh, that my family came from, uh, did. And so he was from Bari, he was Bares, and he would, um, you know, sell ice, ice in the, win- in the summer and coal in the winter, and as we used to joke, illegally home-produced wine all year long. <laughs> and uh, my grandfather was an entrepreneur who lived by a simple rule, which was at the end of the day, you have more money in the bank than you had at the beginning of the day. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's how you build a business. Step by step by step. Mm-hmm. So that's why I laughed so hardly before. It's like my grandfather knew that. And he, he didn't have more than a sixth grade education. It's like... Being an entrepreneur, now we didn't use that term then, we called it a businessman, right? But being an entrepreneur means you have more money at the in, in the bank at the end of the day than you did at the beginning of the day. And if you do that every day, guess what happens? You have a successful business. Especially if success is defined not by being perceived as a unicorn by TechCrunch, but by being right. a sustainable business that puts food on the table for your family and clothes on the back and gives you the emotional and intellectual nurturing that you sought from launching a business in the first place. I agree 100%. Right. So if we just take you back to something that you and your co-founder thought when you were having that failure in fundraising, oh, maybe we're not entrepreneurs. Not only do I think you pivoted your business model, I think you pivoted and went from wannabe entrepreneur to true entrepreneur. Because mm-hmm. a wannabe entrepreneur acts the part. And a true entrepreneur does what you guys did, which was, how the fuck are we going to make money? <laughs> right. Right? How do we make money? And how do we make more money today than we made yesterday? Right. That's what being an entrepreneur is about. So I interrupted your story, but uh, my grandfather, who's been dead for many years now, is probably smiling right now. That is amazing. Mm-hmm. That, it is really that simple. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's simple to communicate. It's simple to in, in, internalize. It's difficult to execute. Okay. So let's honor the fact that it can be difficult to execute. Mm-hmm. But clearly, you guys created something of value. And so tell us more about the story. So, so here the, the customers are saying, Sherman, we want to put money in your pocket. And we want to pay you to do the work that we don't have time to do because we still want the outcome that you wanted us to have by using the tool. Am I getting this right? Correct. Right. So what started to happen? And I know you've been um, wonderfully transparent uh, about putting up your revenue dashboard and what's going on. And we want to talk about why you want to do that. But tell me, tell, tell me what happened and what was the consequence? So I think in November, we, we were selling that social media tool and we ended up about 
it's like two thousand dollars a month worth of this stuff, which was a good start. And then uh, we we made that change in our business model. Uh, and what we did was um, raise all of our prices and go out there and sell this thing. Mm-hmm. And it was it wasn't easy. Uh, don't get me wrong; it was not easy at all to go out there. Like we 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 never did sales in our life. We had, we both have engineering backgrounds, mm-hmm. uh, so. We, you know, introvert, just kind of by nature. And we ended up getting on these phone calls with potential customers, telling them what we do. And somehow we're able to grow our revenue to $10,000 a month by January. Mm. Wow. Wow. So 10000 a month by January. And where are you today? 19000 Dude, my grandfather would be very proud. <laughs> There were a lot of hurdles along that way as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not easy. Right. So let's make a distinction. It's worth making. There's simple, there's hard, there's easy, and there's complex. This is simple and hard. Right? That right. doesn't mean, just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. Right. right? It's a slog. And a big one. It, it's a big slog. It's like you have to overcome your natural introversion. You have to get on the phone and you have to sell. And you have to face rejection time and time again. Um, pretty much every single day. Every single day. Every single day. And you got to face the fact that people are going to say to you, I don't see any value in this. Your prices are too high. This is bullshit. Whatever it is, that they're, whatever their objections are. Right? And uh, you have to sort of reach down and constantly believe in what value. What are you doing? Does it make a difference? Right? And you go yep. back into that well and you reach back in and you pull that back out. And you believe in your product. Right. And there were plenty of times where we kind of doubted ourselves as well. Like, are we actually providing value to any of these people that we, we sold to? Because um, you know, obviously churn is just natural in any type of business. And, you know, people were telling us, like, well, we didn't get the results that we wanted. Mm-hmm. And then, well, it really gave us some kind of doubt. And, and that was a, a powerful thing because we went back and, and figured out, like, well, what, what were we missing? Like, why, why did they cancel? Why, you know, they, they would tell us exactly why, and we would fix it. What do you attribute that capacity to? I'm sorry, what do you mean? Well, you've got this capacity. Here you are, you get the feedback from clients, and it's somewhat negative. Um, and you take that feedback in, and it understandably pokes your insecurities, right? Puts you in a self doubting place. But, and tell me again your co founder's name? It's Carl. Carl. We call him KG. KG. So you and KG um, sit down. I'm imagining this to be so, so tell me if I'm wrong. You look at each other across your cheap table that you use as a desk, right, with your crappy office, and you go, okay, what do we do with this? Am I naming it kind of right? Well, we're a fully remote and distributed team, but so we don't have an office, but okay. yes, that, okay. that's exactly okay. it. Okay, so you use Google Hangouts or whatever, yeah. right? Right. And so you do this and you're reaching in and you're learning. Yeah. 
Okay. To me, one of the one of the things that I admire most about the engineering mindset is that engineers have been trained to do that. Take data and ascertain what the next step is. Mm-hmm. It's it's something that I never learned. You know, as a liberal arts major, I didn't learn that. I learned a lot of other things that engineers could learn, but I didn't learn that. Interesting. Interesting. Right. And there's a difference between failed experiments and failure or lack of value. Right. And I, what I'm watching is, what I'm seeing is, is the, you guys, you and KG, taking that data in and refining and refining. Mm-hmm. That is part of being an entrepreneur as well. What does the world tell us? What do investors tell us? Well, investors tell us that they don't perceive this to be the next unicorn. Okay, that's important data. What do the customers tell us? Okay, that's important data. The world is always going to be giving you data. Some of the data is going to conflict with other data. Right? Part of your job is to reach past those fears, use the powers of discernment to ascertain which data is correct, which data is most useful, which data should I be taking in, which data should I ignore. Right. Right? Again, simple to communicate, hard to keep to. Very hard. Very hard. Very hard. So... A, it's a great story. I know, and I know you're not out of the woods yet, you know, in terms of like, you know, this is a rocket ship and it's taken off and all that stuff. But, you know, you've built a business where you can pay the bills. Yeah. And that's kind of that. Let's just take a moment and celebrate that from where you were a year ago. It's an amazing transformation. Mm-hmm. Is that. And, and, you know, oftentimes when I do these uh, podcast interviews, I, I regret that we don't necessarily record the video um, because people don't get to see faces. I get to see the faces. <laughs> and the smile that's been on your face constantly is beautiful. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So how does it feel being able to say the transformation and the difference a year? What's that like for you? I, I'm, I'm, I'm very proud. Um, you know, when, when we talked about this a year ago, um, you asked me, like, well, how do you want Fiona to remember you as? And uh, now we're, we're a company that is cash flow positive. We, we have four people on the team. And, you know, it's not going to be smooth sailing from here, but I know we will never go out of business. Wow. And, and again, how would you like Fiona to know you? Well, uh, just, you know, being able to go after something and, and not ever give up at it. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's so easy to just call it quits. And there's been several times where we thought about it. And, you know, whatever, you know, maybe we were just stupid enough to keep going, but by not giving up, 
we were able to go from you know nothing to nineteen thousand dollars a month. That that is a real business. And when you think about all these startups that are going around these days, raising lots of cash and then celebrating as you know, fund like the way we think about it, fundraising does not mean success. Amen, brother. Amen, brother. Yeah. Just like going public does not mean success. It's all capital raising. That's all it is. Yeah. What is success is waking up and having more money at the end of the day than you had, or waking up one day and having more money today than you had yesterday. That's success. Success is gainfully employing two, three, four, five, ten, fifty, a hundred people. Success is having a company that's in alignment with your values as a human being. Totally. Right? That was, that's why we started a business in the first place, so that the business can be an expression of who we are, right? So like an artist paints a painting to tell the world, this is who I am. This is where my heart is today. That's what we do. Right. Products and services that move people. Tell me about this this commitment to transparency that you've got, which has been beautiful. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, so I guess also stepping back a little bit, uh, we, we did this because we, we ran into this period where we hit a really big plateau. Mm. And I would estimate anywhere, it was probably about three or four months. And, and going back to the fundraising stuff, when we hit $10,000, we still had that startup fantasy dream. Mm. Um, we went out to raise money. Mm. And in two weeks, we had $600,000 committed. Um, we thought we were going to be on our way again. Now, now little did we know that the, the fundraise, although people told us, uh, the mm. fundraising process was extremely distracting for the business. Mm. And we hit a real plateau through that thing because uh, we... Again, it was kind of a, a failed fundraise in that we, we didn't get all $600,000 that was committed in the beginning. Um, we, we ended up with, uh, in total, raising 182000 angel round. Mm. That, that, that in no way is, is like success, right, for a startup in fantasy land. Mm. That's a, a very small amount of money to even do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we couldn't hire the 19 people that we were going to plan on hiring the next year or anything like that. And again, when, when we reached the, 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 like the end of that, that sort of fundraising process, we were like our morale was very, very low. This was probably April or something like that. Um, and we, we had to reset ourselves again. We had to figure out, like, well, what are we doing? Why are we going to raise money? Do we really need all of the staff or anything like that? And as we thought about these things um, and, you know, going through the fundraising stuff and being very depressed, I, I didn't even want to wake up in the morning. Like you said, I, I curled in a ball and, and just kind of wished that the day wouldn't happen. Mm. It was very, very, it was a very tough time. Yeah. Um, and so that's... That's what we decided that we needed to be much more open and transparent. And because we didn't raise you know, a traditional round from venture capitalists or anything like that, we don't, we don't, we don't have a board. 
I'm the only person on the board. So there was absolutely no accountability. And it was very, very easy for us to kind of sweep away the, the, our failures under the rug and not acknowledge them and kind of hide. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, after three months or so of going through this plateau, we, we realized that, well, wow, we need to dig ourselves out of this. Um, so, like, even in, in June, our revenue um, was around $10,000 a month. Like, at some point, we got up to 13000 or even 14000 and dropped back all the way down to 10000 Customers were churning. Uh, we had to figure all of this stuff out. And so tell me about this commitment to be transparent. Tell me about this commitment to be open about this, to, to, to openly publish your revenue dashboard, for example. We wanted the world to hold us accountable. It, it, it was no longer, we did not want to hide under any sort of thing anymore. Uh, we, we knew that, you know, we had to keep growing this thing. And it turned out that, you know, when, it wasn't just overnight. We're like, okay, we're going to be transparent. We had actually met you know, founders who were just kind of starting off. Mm-hmm. Um, they were wondering about fundraising or starting a business and all this stuff. And, um, and when we, it, we noticed something really interesting. When we shared with them our revenue numbers, they were like, oh, wow, like you, you guys, you're actually making money. <laughs> yeah, there, there's tons of startups who, who raise millions of dollars and, and they're still at, zzz, you know, they're making nothing every month, which is kind of absurd to me, but. You know, that, that's, the, that's what they kind of teach you in, in starting a startup. I mean, whatever uh, articles that are out there on TechCrunch, that's what they share with you. Yeah. Well, you know, the first night in my boot camp, one of the things I talk to people is about, like, the whole middle school atmosphere of bullshitting each other is mm-hmm. over. It stops now. And we tell the truth. And there's a power in telling the truth. The power is not only for the community to stop collectively bullshitting each other and exacerbating the depressing feelings, right? Think about what happened for you. Oh, wait, it's actually a good thing. Okay, so you're not breaking even, but you're generating revenue. Oh, okay, you're breaking even. Oh, wait, you're paying yourselves. Oh, wait, you're generating a small profit. Oh, wait, you're profitable, right? But it allows a kind of openness, right? You're free from having to fake it. Yeah, exactly. Right? Because it's so fucking exhausting to fake it. I mean, really? It's hard enough to try to do what you're doing. You're going to make it even harder by faking it? I mean, who cares? Does this resonate with you? Uh, yeah, exactly. You, know, you, you go to you know, coffee with other entrepreneurs or you know, networking events and you ask each other how your startups are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I tell them? Uh, well, we're, we're pretty good. A year ago, we were making you know, $800 a month and today we're $19,000. Um, and because we're transparent, we're able to do that. Um, right. Talk to me a few months ago. You know, I would have said, yeah, we're, we're doing awesome. We're growing fast. And yeah, that was we're killing conversation. it. We're killing it. We're <laughs> crushing it, right? Which is my favorite line. It's, and it's bullshit. And, and when you tell the truth... 
How does it make you feel? I feel amazing about it. <laughs> like even like when we were not transparent, we had to remember what we were telling investors, uh, potential customers, uh, all these things like about what what you know what our numbers were actually are because like, we can't remember if we shared it with them before and right. who we don't want to share it with. That takes up a lot of cycles in our brains that we like by being open like that freed up time and 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 how about with 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 all of the employees at this point there's four of you right so you you and kg of course knew but how about everybody else or how about your spouse or how about you know like everybody else you know like because now everybody knows where the company is right yeah right you don't actually have to mince the words there you don't have to keep track of what you told this person versus what you told that person Kind of liberating, eh? It's it's amazing, and by doing that, it, like our our, our our employees, they they trust us. Yes, they trust that we're doing the right things for them. Uh, you know, and our customers trust us. They can see our revenue and our churn and whatever it is. They understand that we are not going to go out of business versus, uh, you know, some funded startup where you have no idea, like a year from now, am I still going to be able to use their product after making this big investment and putting all my data there? Yeah. I don't know. You, you you said something enormously important. You, you, you went immediately to, they trust us. And even more, because I've often talked about the fact that you know, when, when, when I advise a client to, to speak directly and clearly and transparently with their employees, they say, but they might leave, right? If I tell them the truth of where we are. And I often say in response, would you rather have them stay for a lie? That doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> but you extended it even further, right? If I tell my customers the truth, they might leave, and again, would you rather have them stay for a lie, right? When you invite the customer in like that, right, and you stand there with your own self-confidence in the product, you get to invite the customer to co-own the experience. And all of a sudden, the customer becomes invested in your success because they don't feel like they're being sold to they feel like they're being partnered with. Right. Right? Okay, right. so you screwed up. Okay, so you made a mistake. Right? Think about it. We all want to work with, whether it's as co-employees or as customer and, and, and vendor, we all want to work with people that we trust. Because yeah. that's, that's community. How do you feel about your customers? They're amazing people. I mean, they're they're all business owners. Yeah. And we're in the journey together. Like their success is our success because we're running their marketing. Right. If they go out of business, we're going to go out of business. So we're in it together. Right. Look at that. Look at that. And, and the smile that's on his face, you all should see. <laughs> because that, now think about, think about creating relationships there, you know, and think about creating companies where that becomes, you know, the mantra for what this is about. It, it, it's beautiful. 
Well, I, I, I'm so, so in, in, impressed with what you've done and the learning that you've gone through. And, you know, we're going to start to wrap, but I just want to ask one last question. So if you could reach back into time to the Sherman of a year ago and give him a piece of advice, because the Shermans of a year ago are listening to the podcast right now. What would you tell him, him or her? Yeah, well, there's going to be a lot of hurdles along the way. Absolutely no doubt about that. And if you're, you're, if you're serious about being an entrepreneur, you, you really have to face those hurdles, like really appreciate them coming at you and not running away from them. Mm-hmm. Because the moment you run away from them, you're not solving that problem. You have to figure out, well, how do I get over this hump? That's the only way to build a real business. Sounds to me that what you're saying is the only way to build a real business is to build a business. Yeah. Yeah. It's that simple and that hard. (laughs) It is very, very hard. Mm. Well, I just want to thank you for coming back on the show. I mean, it's, it's been a delight and, you know, not every story ends like this, you know, I mean, a lot of folks have come on and they've been in their last legs and they've shut down and, um, this is beautiful. And we don't know what the next 12 months will bring for good audience, but I, I, I will tell you, and I'll say this out loud. Part of what I've been thinking about in the back of my mind is getting our people at reboot to check out what's going on there. Cause maybe we could use you, oh, but, uh, that I would be honored. You know, that's, that's, if you give me a good price here, <laughs> but, I, I definitely owe you a ton. Uh, well, but, the, but, but in all, in all fairness, more than anything, more than even the quality of the service that you've developed, I'm really admiring of how you've evolved and stepped in and taken your seat as a CEO. This, my friend is a CEO. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So thank you. And, uh, We'll talk soon. One of the most important things we have the opportunity to do for clients at Reboot is to hold containers, really a safe space for them to connect honestly and openly with a community of their peers. Many CEOs come to us suffering fear, anxiety, and isolation really this underlying belief that they are the only one who feels this way. Through our boot camps and now our peer groups, CEOs and startup leaders are able to connect and share with others facing the same daily challenges, the same feelings, really know they are not alone. CEO and co-founder of Codecademy, Zach Sims, recently shared his experience of connecting with others in this way. So I think one of the the biggest things that I took away from uh, the boot camp was just the general thinking around transparency and, and authenticity in a company, and, and I think we read a lot about that all the time in uh, books and media outlets and whatnot. But I think going to boot camp actually helped me realize a room full of people who talked a lot about always wondering if they had to have all the answers and learning to use their teams as the way of answering your questions instead of feeling that because CEOs or because they were leaders, uh, they needed to have all the answers all the time. So it gave me a new perspective on how best to get a group of people to come together by providing them with the container they needed to be successful and and answer uh, questions on how to run a company. 
You can learn more about joining a community like this through our boot camps and our peer groups at reboot.io. So that's it for our conversation today. I know a lot was covered in this episode, from links to books to quotes to images. So we went ahead and compiled all that and put it on our site at reboot.io slash podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can find out about that on our site as well. I'm really grateful that you took the time to listen. If you enjoyed the show and you want to get all the latest episodes as we release them, head over to iTunes and subscribe. And while you're there, it would be great if you could leave us a review, letting us know how the show affected you. So thank you again for listening, and I really look forward to future conversations together. How long till my soul gets it right?